Mark, welcome to the podcast. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you, Richard. Um, I'm Mark, uh, Mark Sotforth. I do Alaprima oil paintings, um, uh, mostly skyscapes, stormscapes. I do seascapes. Um, I also branch out to still lives and um, that sort of, um, those sort of themes. But mostly it's the skyscapes, the cloudscapes, which yeah, got behind me um, on paper, because I like the way the oil does what it does on paper. Not on oil, on paper, on canvas. It's a little bit of a different animal, but um, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Educated long time ago at Cardiff University. Studied as well, not as, but in installation art. I was doing installation art. Uh, graduated from that and didn't really um, get on with it as well as I thought I would in terms of the creative process. It was taking too long to do something. So I then thought, right, I'll, I'll pick up a paintbrush. And I was never taught how to paint. So or I never, you know, went through that whole degree process of painting and, and studying in that format. So, yeah, it's kind of self-taught in many ways, which I'm kind of quite proud of in some ways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an ongoing thing. So um, since then, um, represented now by a couple of um, galleries. Uh, I've got a, an agent down in London who's very good for me. So that's kind of worked its way out in terms of business. And I've got to a point now where I can get on with it and just produce and see where I go with it. So it's, it's been good. The last year's been good. Last year's been great. good. It's great. Well, I'm a big fan of your work and you know, it really has elements that I'm drawn to. Atmosphere, yeah. you know, slight kind of you know, dramatic kind of melancholic feeling to some extent. Yeah. And um, who were you influenced by when, when you started to paint? Are there any particular influences? Um. Yeah, one or two out there. I mean, there's some that I wouldn't you wouldn't normally associate with me, like Cy Twombly. Um yeah. for his mark making and, and just the, the joy of it. It's just the joy of what he does. Um and I think that that's something I also try to express in my tutorials when I, when I teach people is it, it's probably it's it's just joy. It's just an absolute joy. Um Caspar David Friedrich, a German uh, romantic artist. Um obviously Turner's and the constables and people like that. I'm sort of slowly coming around um, more to Russian um, sort of romantic artists, 19th century. I can't remember names, don't even ask me, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't even bother to try and um, pronounce them. Yeah. But it's that sort of genre. It's the, the, the sublime, the sublime yeah. art in landscapes, 19th century. Um, that Those sort of people really, yeah, they're the ones that tick all the boxes for me. So romanticism in that sense. Yeah, I'm very similar. You know, I... Yeah. I Describe myself as a as a romantic painter, yeah. and that's interesting. You say about Cy Twombly there. Um, in the last podcast, it was just me and Simon talking, and I talked a lot about my early influences, <coughs> and, um, people who still influence me, and Rothko is a massive one, and a lot of the abstract expressionists. And I've school and even people like Howard Hodgkin. Yeah. How important is abstraction to your work? Um, I'd, I'd have to say very. I mean, Rothko is obviously another go-to. 
and just being lost in the, lost in the paintwork, lost in the colours, lost in the volume of his work. And I think that's something that comes across, especially the start of a painting. When I'm starting on a painting, and you get lost in that very first moment when the, the oil paint does its thing on the paper, and it bleeds out and does whatever it does. And you, you kind of half think, and that's the joy of it again. But it's just that moment of losing yourself in the painting, in the, in the paint, and then it progresses. And a good painting for me is one where that is that phrase that I've been in the flow, and to get into that state of mind where you're not sure who's in control anymore, <laughs> whether it's the paint, you, whatever the art. I talk a lot about the art gods. Um, not, in, not in some sort of hippie spiritualist way, but it's definitely moments where you think, yeah, I've had, when, when did that? How did that happen? What's going on there? But that's that's the abstraction side of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a formless thing. Yeah, and it's process as well. I also mentioned this with Simon that you know I sort of regard myself still as, as a process painter rather than an observational yeah. painter. Yes. So it may, you know, it may in a sense you start off with the composition being one way, or the clouds, or the tones, or the light. But you, you kind of let the paint, as you were mentioning there, in, in that yeah. flow, paint, along with the mark making, do its own thing. So, you know, rather than it being abstract so much or um, representational, it, it, you know, it is that process that makes it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like. I, I don't paint from photographs, and I don't go outside to paint. Mm. It's all about what's happening in front of me. Um, mm. I've got memories of landscapes. I grew up in the Fens in East Anglia, so I've got yeah. those memories of the big skies and the big horizons, and it's all very flat and linear and what have you. Um, so I, I feel sometimes I'm trying to paint. Well, I, I'm trying to paint myself back into a landscape that I know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that going on. There's an awful lot of that going on. Yes, I grew up in the Fens as well, and <laughs> really? and it's, I mentioned this so so much that you know I. I left, um, you know, probably around about the age of 18 or, you know, yeah. and went travelling and lived in Devon, Cornwall, travelled a lot, lived in London for many years and I'm based in Norfolk now, but came back to East Anglia. Um, but I would go back to see my family and yeah. the, the skies in, in the Fens, even though I rejected them when I was younger, because that's yeah. all it was. Um, <laughs> but... I realised how sort of deep they had sort of embedded themselves into that psyche and the creative psyche. Yeah. Whereabouts in the fence? Um, we were a place called West Winch, which is outside Kings Lynn. Yes, yeah, yeah. No uh, down the market, that's all our sort of yes, territory. Yeah, yeah. And my father, father was a vet, so we used to go out and we were all over Norfolk and West Norfolk yeah, and yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm sat right next to the Great ooze at the moment. My studio is All right. in Kings Lynn. So wow, I'm, there you I, go. I know, I know West Wind. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I went to school in Kings Lynn, so yeah. Ah, did you? I'm not yeah. here for much longer. I'm moving to Cromer. Um, okay. So just sort of set up a gallery there, but um, yeah, really well. So I, I grew up in between um, Thorny and Crowland. So if you head towards Peterborough from yeah. Kingston past Wisbeach that way. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh wow! You know, <laughs> you know, you know better than I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I left. I left when I was eighteen. 
was yeah. it, off to college and that was it, gone. But like I say, you keep returning to it. You keep, it doesn't leave you. Yes, um, yeah. I often quote the fact that when we used to come back from London as a child, I'd be like five or six in the car, and come back from Simpsons, and the sun would be setting on the horizon. Mm. And I'd, I'd, I'd ask them to stop the car so we could watch the sun disappear. Yeah. yeah. Um, they used to think I was a bit of a freak, but... <laughs> <laughs> At least they stop the car. They yeah. Stop the car. yeah. And yeah. there's some sunsets around. I mean, it's um, there's nothing too obscure of you. No, no, that's exactly it. Scale's all gone. So the scale is just... Yeah. It's like yeah. being inside a Rothko. It's like being yeah. inside a Rothko. Absolutely. Scale's just gone. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, you might have heard this, that people go a little bit crazy that move to the things from yeah. hillier areas. And they just go, I yeah. can't cope with this. It's just too much. It's too much, yeah. yeah. Well, you get this kind of free, three sixty kind of panorama of of the sky, um, mm. you know, and it, it it is a bleak place. But I think for yeah. those, you know, who, who are kind of um, aesthetically minded or you know have that kind of leaning towards the sublime or to desolation, mm. and, yeah, yeah. But, but 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 it really does have that that feel and it's interesting because I'm looking at the paintings behind you now and, yeah. and, and your work in general that it is mostly sky yep yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. so the landscape for want of a better term or the horizon is I kind of usually go for about the quarter or the golden mean ratio yeah. Uh, yeah. so there's the horizon and then it just goes up into the sky yeah. Uh, there's different orientations whether you want to go to landscape portrait. The couple behind me are on canvas and their portrait. Yes. Um, I've gone for a square format as well. Um, square, you might think, would squash things up. But for me, it kind of pushes me a little bit more into how can I get across this idea of scale, you know, mm. the bigness, the vastness of the sky. Um, yeah. And often the, the landscapes, they do go a bit dark at the bottom there. But that's, that's, again, we're going back to the fence. I mean, that's that what I remember. That's that peat-rich yeah. soil, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, it's easier on paper to just change, just go back to the process. So if something's not working, sometimes those landscapes will go become a seascape and vice mm. versa. Mm. It just has to be the way it goes, you know? Mm. Um, mm. But with mm. canvas, it's a lot more... Controlled, I'm going to say. I have yeah. to be much more thoughtful about what I'm doing. It takes longer as well. Yeah. So it yeah. has to dry out a little bit before I can go back to it. It's not, it's still out of prima, but it's not as quick. Yeah. Not so, what, quick. Pa what paper are you working on then when you're, you're doing your Most, Mostly Fabriano. Uh, yeah. Smooth, smooth Fabriano. That's very, very good. Um, I'm quite happy to use just sketchbooks uh, on there. I mean, that one's um, a smooth. Multi-technique one, so yes. that's, that's nothing, you know, nothing special about it. Um, but it's very, very good. So, mm. but that's another thing. We, <clears throat> I've used cartridge paper as well in the past, recycle. And when you start on the paper, it reacts in a certain way, mm. and you think, "Oh, well, we're going to do that now, are we?" Okay. And so you, you it sounds yeah. weird, but you have a conversation with it the whole time. Yes. Yeah. You know, your yeah. hand, the paper, the oil. It's all about this conversation, what's going on, and how it changes and moves. And, if it works, it works. You're in that flow, as we mentioned, or yeah, it ends up in the bin or whatever, you know. Yes, yeah. it starts. It starts with the paper. 
Yeah. So, so with it, because uh, I know, say, with the Fabriano and uh, there's Arsh and there's, you know, all kinds of uh, Canton oil painting papers. Mm. With the cartridge paper, are you priming it first? No, 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 no I, I don't do it paper. Obviously, with the Cantons, I dress like that because there's a, yeah. rough, smooth, there's a rough surface. Yeah. Um, so I have to get back to that smooth paper-like surface with the, the yes. Cantons. But no, I don't, I don't prime them or anything like that. I often get asked, why are you worried about the paper um, disintegrating over time yes. or whatever? And I've not had any problems with it. And I've been no. doing it for the best part of 20 odd years now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and if it starts to disintegrating when I'm gone, then I'm sorry, I'm not around anymore. I'm not yeah. on first. So, yeah. And, and about mediums, because I can see you're using something to make the painting relatively fluid in points. What what are you using? It's only white spirit. That's all uh, it is. I, I keep uh, it, I mean, I, I said before that I'm, I'm an untrained artist, I'm an untrained painter. So I, for me, it's all rough and ready in many ways. Yeah. Um, so it's the white spirit, I use kitchen towels, uh, and I, I keep it as simple as possible. I don't use paint. Um, that, that's quite a personal thing to me, in that I, I need to feel what the paint's doing yeah uh, and I, as soon as i got a paintbrush there i feel like i'm divorced yeah. from where the action is now i'm away from it yeah um so yeah it's all very much it's getting back to being a kid again with the finger painting all that but yeah. i mean um i could show if i was showing the mess which is on the table there but it's all paper towels and it's just mess mm. yeah and now that you hope to get something you know so you're good so you like me go through Many rolls of paper towel. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an aficionado of paper towel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I can... I mean, I, that, that, that could be construed as being a bit. I don't know if if disappointing is the word. If people want it to be more complicated, overcome. Again, I don't. That's not me. No. Make it as simple as possible. You know, make get to something. Get to get from A to B as quick as you can. You know, Absolutely. it's in your head. Get it out of there. You know? Yeah. And I think as well, this is one of the um, aspects of being a self-taught painter in that sense. I mean, I've got a degree in fine art, but as you know, they don't teach painting at um, many universities, if yeah, any, nowadays. So <laughs> with, with painting, it, it's one of those things through experimentation and through just playing with materials, often through frustration, often through just grabbing anything that's close by. You make these breakthroughs and slowly over time you start to refine your process. Yeah. So like you say, yeah. you you know, people want it to be more complicated or exciting, but that's your process that you have learned yeah. through that experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got no grudge against people that use the linseed oils and what have you, and the colour varnish and whatever. I mean, yeah, if it works for you, that's what works for you. Um, but for me, for me, it's it's that time element. It's it's always goes back to expediency and time. Mm -hmm. And um, a painting for me, or on paper especially, takes about an hour. Yeah. And if it's if it if it takes any longer, then it's getting overworked, or I'm not involved anymore, and it's lost that immediacy. So I'm very aware of that. A lot when I'm doing the with the paperwork anyway. With the canvases, it's different. Yes. Um, canvases, uh, if it's not working for a canvas, and I'll, I'll drag it all off or get it all off or gesso over it again, and off we go again, sort of thing. Um, but like I said, they're two different beasts. But with paper, 
yeah, it's, it's got to be quick. It's got to be yeah. quick. So we're going, we're going back to that abstractness of yeah. art and painting yeah. and abstract expressionism and on all the rest of it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it's that sort of spontaneity. And I, I'll often say, you know, my best paintings are the ones that are often completed within half an hour to an hour. Yeah. The ones where I've laboured over them, they lose that immediacy. And sometimes I'm able to wrestle them back to um, something. And, you know, it's interesting then the history of that making on the surface. But there really is something about that approach of just sort of going in and capturing the freshness of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a um, whistler. Here's yeah. Nocturne with the fireworks. And yeah. the famous um, uh, court case with John Ruskin. Yes. And Ruskin said, how, how can you call that art? What, how long did it take? And he said, like, oh, an hour and a half, three hours, whatever. He said, yes. well, that's not right, is it? And he said, well, it's taken me 35 years to get to that point. That's, yes. you, missed, yes. you missed that particular point. Yeah. You know? yeah. Absolutely. But Rothko said something similar, and I've quoted this before, where someone said, well, you know, how long did that painting take you to paint? And he said, like, 55 years yeah you know that thing of it being um i actually had a i rarely get um negative feedback from from instagram i think i've got two in in four years i've been on there but some guys sort of said to me the other day he said said the painting he's like well that's just like cleaning your brush that's awful you know Which I kind of, you know, sometimes it is just like cleaning. Yes. <laughs> I'm making these smart. So, so it's that acceptance of it, yeah. But yeah. it's, you know, the, the artist in a way can do refined things, but also has that experience as well to create something that is, you know, much more spontaneous. Um, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It, with your paper, works on paper, how big are they? Are they as big as the canvases behind you? Um, not really. Uh, I can go. Well, I've just cut up some grey paper. I've loved. I love this gunmetal grey, and that is sixty by oh. sixty. So that's, that's quite quite big for me. Um, I found one yesterday in the back of the studio, just around back there, and that was one hundred and fifty by a hundred. That's big, and I wouldn't normally go that big. Um, I'm kind of into the A3 area, really. So yeah. 40 by 30s, that's my regular yes. bang, bang, bang. Um, and then around that, I t- tend to push myself sort of with either square formats or with a landscape format. So again, on the um, just the gun metal I showed you, the offcuts still uh, to me look quite interesting. So today yeah. I did one, uh, which will be that way around. It's that way around. Uh, so, and that, that kind of came across as... Um, almost like a Japanese-style painting. Mm. It almost dictated that straight away because of the format. Um, yeah, it was, it was quietly successful, so I'm, I'm always happy with that one today. But again, how how long they last in you know, with you and on the wall or in the studio, that, that's another question, because time again, you finish the painting and then there's the time after the painting. Are you still yeah. having the same conversation with it afterwards? Absolutely. And that's that's the, that's the interesting bit because some of them just fall by the wayside and they just yeah. uh, that what was I thinking of what what yeah. were I looking at then you know yeah. um, whereas others you think the works are great and then they go yeah wow that was really interesting what yeah, okay let's have a go at doing that one again yeah. so you keep chasing that that little pot of gold sort of thing you know yeah 
and you yeah, need that be- you need that space in time and uh, your eyes um re-singing it uh, sometimes you have to step away to come back in and, and see and yeah. okay, some something that you thought oh this you know that's great that's looking good you come back in the next day yeah so so back to the working on on paper are you um are you taping it down as you do it or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it doesn't do that um the warping thing it doesn't do that at all it dries fairly quickly well very quickly actually um which is quite um i've done some online tutorials and they're all people have been saying like wow i didn't expect that to dry as quickly because it's oils and oils yeah. to most people would be takes a long time to dry and it's all very laborious and the rest of it and that's kind of what i enjoy about it is you get the luminosity and you get all the great stuff that you get from oil paints but it's much much quicker yes because yeah. the paper just takes on whatever you put on it straight away absolutely um, and yeah. so it's lovely yeah. And, uh, yeah i've painted um i haven't lately but i went through a stage of painting a lot on uh, grey board, um, you know, but stuff that was often backing sketchbooks or, or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's here. This, you know, yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a lovely surface to work on. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's technically non-archival, but it it's great for especially for people who are kind of learning oil painting as well, you know, because it, it does dry quick and it sort of soaks, soaks it up mm. as well. But and it's already got that greyness to it, which, you know, can be your yeah. backdrop colour anyway, can't it? So, yeah. yeah absolutely. Right, yeah. It's some of my favourite paintings I've created have <laughs> been on that. Um, yeah. And it's because it kind of sucks the the oil in in a way doesn't it and yeah. so you're not dealing yeah. with this really slippery uh, medium yeah i try um, struggle with i struggle with boards boards i struggle with just so uh, boards because yeah. it does that whole yes. smearing and you know try, yeah. it's like yeah you're hurling up cats yeah you try and do that all the time you know so um it's okay it's not my go-to but no. it's like a bit you've, of- you've got to try these things out yeah, definitely. And that's all part of the process, isn't it? Isn't it? Like over years and years, I mean, and, you know, I've tried every single surface possible. And <laughs> the moment I tend to use um, either marine ply or MDF at six mm-hmm. mil, but I then make my own gesso for, which is just white acrylic and yeah. marble dust. You know, I put lots of marble dust because I like the key. Uh-huh. And, and and what that does then, if you if you're working, say if you're working like wet, if it's diluted with um, white spirit, the marble dust is kind of sucking in the yeah. in in the the oil and and the the medium, but it's you've still got that tooth and that key. So then when mm. you do brush strokes over it, kind of just ca- sort of catches. Nice on it. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, but yeah. I mean, I've gone from like linen canvases, canvas boards, stretch yeah. canvas, uh, <laughs> oil paper, you know, gesso boards, sanding, not sanding, using chalk, whatever. But it's part of the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed. Um, I did um a charity thing. That was a good one. I was um. <laughs> 
they cut up the sides of London buses and they uh -huh. would ship out this, um, I can't remember the dimensions now, a, uh, a tush and send it out to artists to do a piece on there and then obviously auction that. So it was the side of a red London bus. So you still have the writing on it. I think mine was to Hackney and it was the number 26. So you had all that on there. So I taped off around it. So I kept some of the red and some of the lettering. So I wanted that. I wanted the history there. And then just did one of my stormy landscapes in the middle. It was, it was great. I loved it. I mean, again, I had to, I used a gesso, a specialist gesso for that one. Um, I can't remember what it was now, but a primer for metals specifically. Um, my son knew exactly what to get because he was a, uh, painter and decorator at the time so he said you need to use this oh, no, no. but yeah it was great it was really good fun wow fantastic uh, back to back to the paper um are you then mounting it onto boards or how are you just displaying it um no it's if it's a good and then it goes into a frame <laughs> yeah. um no i don't mount them on board i have done in the past um but I would get that done professionally. Uh, I've tried it myself and I've really worked with the process. So um, I don't varnish work on paper because if it's going to go behind glass, what's the point? Having said that, I've, I did I did it with a couple, but just because I want to see the colours come through. Because um, that's what varnish does, isn't it? It really makes things zing and, and, and pop out. Um, and I, I sold one to a client last week. That one was varnished. Um, so it's down to them then whether they put it on board or mount it in a box frame or whatever. Um, but I, I very rarely do anything after it. I don't, you know, if it's going to go anywhere, it's going to go in the frame. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to ask the question about your education. You said you studied installation arts um, yeah. at, at Cardiff. So like my fine art degree, things were very sort of tilted towards conceptual art and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, how yeah, how did you get on with that? How, did you enjoy it? What was the process like? Um, I was all right with that. I mean, going, it's quite a while now, but I was into a guy called Joseph Boyce. Who yeah, no I, I was very good on Joseph Boyce. Um, especially with his um, ideas about the past, the archaeology of art and, 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 the, and the history of Germany, especially, et cetera, et cetera. So, and the shamanism that came into his art. So I was big on him and his concepts. Lightning was staggering to glare to the Tate is one of my favorite pieces of all time. It just gets me every time. Um, so I, I, the way that he was dipping into language and into history, I, I loved. Um, so I kind of went that route um, and I was using natural materials and making large walls out of sticks all uh, intertwined and, and, you know, whatever. Um, and then I put into, into those some chairs or whatever. And, and, so, and then it built up and built up and built up. And I was into uh, lime washing. <laughs> I did a lot of lime washing. So everything got whited out. So you go into mm. this white space and you'd have to pick out, you could, you know, see the wall of sticks there with the chair in it and what have you. And then I started to play around with it and I had um, syringes in the floor and then shadows of the syringes on the walls with a fan and a light bulb. It was all, it was good fun. It was good fun. Um, but like I say, it was, it was so long-winded to get there mm. that I get very antsy and very tetchy if I'm not making and doing on, a, on almost a daily basis. I need to yeah. feel like I've done something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was keeping myself sort of proactive and keeping sketchbooks and all the rest of it. 
well, I just need a bit more. Um, and that took about four or five years to finally just die its death. And I did some installations here, there and everywhere, but like I say, my heart wasn't in it really. Yeah, um, it's fascinating because I, you know, I was, I mean, I'm very much into elements of conceptual art and, you know, I know Joseph Boyce um, worked quite well. Um, and what's interesting with Boyce as well is there is, you know, materiality to it. Mm-hmm. Like you explained in there about the sticks and the whitewashing and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah. there, there is, you know, that, that kind of um, relationship to, to both ideas and materials. And then you could probably then see say, an Anselm Kiefer's work, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Where where there's that fusion there between, you know, painting and and physicality and and materials. And it's interesting even, say, with with painting, like I'm a massive fan of Robert Ryman, you know, the painter Robert Ryman, white paintings. And a lot for me is just about how that, that, the paint as a material is used and it's interesting with conceptual work because even though I have a moan about art school (laughs) pushing people towards conceptualism I'm quite conceptually minded and um, you know I'm happy to to sort of (laughs) have that process it's very much into people like Richard Long as well you know yes and walks and and all of that stuff. So with you, was it, I'm trying to sort of think or get you to that moment where you started to kind of maybe embrace the landscape a little bit more. Can you you remember it? Um, It's a tough one because I don't think I I can pinpoint it to a particular time. Um, I think I was, the moment I'd got a space, where I could just go and shut the door and do my thing. And that was a shed, for want of yeah. a better word, with a light bulb and a table. And then I was off. Um, and my ex-wife, we were going around from uh, pillar to post. We rented accommodation for a long time, you know, from one house to another, bring up a young family. Um, then we settled down, uh, did some teaching, so that meant we could afford the mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's once that got more solid and settled, then I could start to do my thing. I think I needed to find, I need to, I need to get things in the right place. It's getting, you know, it's getting, it's getting everything in the right place. And then you can just go, right, now I can start to think about art again or painting again. Um, so it did, did take a while, like I say. But at the moment I had that space and that freedom to just have an hour a day or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that was a big game changer. And from there, it grew and grew and grew. And then in COVID, which is much more recent, obviously, um, COVID just took off for me. It, it was it was mental. It was absolutely mental because people just didn't weren't that weren't going out, so they were on their phones and looking at art. Yeah. Great, <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, similar with me as well. Um, but sort of COVID, both. I mean, I was able to leave London um, because all of my teaching went online so it's good to leave and to paint more and to, to have more exposure um mm. back to that sort of conceptualism or 
as well. Do you, do you have with with your work? Because I see that you on your website you write, you write poetry, yeah. you do a lot of stuff. Is it, you know, with your work, are there those sort of ideas that you take from you know the, those early kind of um, forays into conceptualism? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned Robert Reinman. Uh, yeah. He was a biggie. Ad Reinhardt yes. is a biggie for me, um, yeah. especially with those black areas at the bottom of my... They're not black. <laughs> they have dark, dark Prussian blue feet. There are shades in there. And I'm always thinking back to Ad Reinhardt, what he did with his crosses, um, the black ones. So just Yeah, so that's all in there as well. I'd like to say you've got um, Anthony Gormley or Richard Long. Um, Sean Scully, again, yeah. saw some work of his recently at Howard Hall in Norfolk. Um, if you if you got that way, and that was stunning. Uh, his, his sculptures were amazing. Mm. So there's all that comes out. Oh, it, it just becomes the name starts to trip off your tongue. Like James Terrell, uh, his skyscapes, um, people like that. It, there are so many out there. Um, I was never I was never one for like the Duchamp world. I wasn't going to go down that route. Um, well, we've got to look at, I don't know, a glass of water on a shelf. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the guy's name now. It's, um, it's not Richard Wentworth, is it? Can't remember. Yeah, no, I, Maybe it's I, an oak tree. I think it might be, yeah. Yeah, and it's all that playing with language and you know, mm. context mm. and the white gallery, the white cube. It gets a bit, it's a bit of a dead end for me. Yeah. Uh, you can only do it so many times. Um, I think, and then the so again, you go back to the painting and the way the painting just goes somewhere else you know, every time yeah. and surprises you and surprises you. Well, you need that element of surprise. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fascinating as well you say about Sean Scully. I mean, I've always been influenced by Sean Scully. He's such a great painter. And with him as well, that he, within his work, it, it, he, he has this idea of this kind of language of repetition that he's doing with it, you know, but it's different each time. But also within, even though it's geometric and he, he has these sort of geometric compositions of kind of interlocking blocks, they are not perfect. They're very no. painful and, it, and it's a process. And you often see the bleed or the, the, yeah. the previous layers just coming through. And it's this, the idea of both chaos and order and imperfection and resolution and um and i think you know what you're talking about and all of the artists you mentioned there and i see it in your work it kind of all goes back to this sort of idea of the sublime in many ways yes. um and even scully's colors i mean you know there is this kind of <laughs> Some of them almost like Renaissance S colors, yeah. some are like Dutch landscape colors, some Turner S. But you were saying about a lot of the conceptual work where it becomes too kind of, um, you know, intellectualized or even tongue in cheek or ironic. Yeah. Where the stuff like Gormley, where he's got a lot of, you know, Buddhist ideas in there, there these. Sort of subjects and again I see it in your work and I kind of have it in mine as well that it is going back to those old, old romantic ideas mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah I I get a little bit 
I mean, I'm big on the sublime. I, 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 this idea of the sublime. Mm-hmm. I get uh, twitchy when people say, oh, I, I, I went to a restaurant yesterday, last night and I had some soup and it was sublime. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what sublime is. Sublime is quite something separate. It's quite, it's big. It's vast. It's all inspiring. It's her- it's also horrific at times. It's that, it's that on the edge of the cliff, on the cliff edge, staring into the abyss almost, you know? You've got to yeah. take all that on board. Like people like John Martin. Yes. I mean, he's another biggie uh, for what he was trying to convey mm-hmm. you know, in terms of sublime. Um, Turner just did it naturally anyway. It, it was yeah. always there, you know, in, in, in his paintings. But the, the idea of the sublime can also be in the mundane. So... It could be my, my it's, it's how you respond to, let's say you see a pencil on the table and it's the light catches in a certain way. Tarkovsky, um, I think it's Tarkovsky, um, Polaroids do this as well. Um, capturing little moments of light and, and just, just the m- most mundane things, but they are sublime because they are of the moment and that moment no longer exists, but it endures. And that's so important to what I want to achieve is something that endures, you know? Yes. Because you, you see it so often, or, or you, you, you feel you feel it viscerally almost, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So it's a bit like in that, really. Yeah. And I see that in your work, but it is, you know, you've got those little moments, almost of redemption. And again, this is where it brings the, those ideas of contrast into it, that you have, you know, the, these dark elements in it, but then you have these moments of sublime light. Of course, it's all sublime, because... Yeah, yeah. The sublime is both terrifying and transcendent in a beautiful yes, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you get that tension in there and it goes to, and I've talked about this on the podcast a lot, I'm very much into Nietzsche and Nietzsche's ideas, mm-hmm. Apollo and Dionysus, you know, yeah. the, these kind of opposing forces that come together to create, you know, the, these great things in painting. And yeah. And I think as well, having, you know, bit like yourself, being more self-taught with with painting, that it's not, yes, there are technical elements, but we've kind of found our own way of doing that. And I think when you when you do that, you have a lot of time in the studio on your own mm-hmm. to sort of think about and consider mm. life, death, philosophical ideas. So mm. that philosophy is kind of big in, in your practice yeah so it's always it's there at the back of the, it's always there underneath you know it's always there underneath yeah um like I say trying to get the thing the whole painting to work as one so you've mm-hmm. got the dark and light playing off of each other yeah i i, I had a moment of self-doubt and i asked i said something that might i, I sort of made the statement that i don't think my paintings are depressing <laughs> i think they're more hopeful than depressing and he said, yeah, yeah, of course they are, because you can see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And off I went, and I was quite happy then. <laughs> yeah. But you, yeah. I mean, the, the, the aspects of the dark and the um, the storms, they can take over at times. And I do get wary of that. So I, yes. I change things up, um, either by introducing a different palette, or I go to maybe still lights. I'll, I'll try yeah. some still life work. and. Yeah. And I really do get a buzz out of those because I, I can see the same sort of narratives there um, in what I'm trying to achieve. And it, yeah, um, I'm out of my comfort zone to a certain degree, but uh, it does come across to me at least that, that, that I'm getting that shimmer there. I'm getting that, 
idea of a, an object not being still. It's vibrating on the shelf. You know, it's a single object on a shelf, but it's vibrating. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I get off on that as well. Mm. So again, people like, um, is it Kurt Jackson? Uh, his yeah. still lives, uh, yeah. just flipping out. They, they blow me every time. Yeah. Um, the little vases with the flowers. So you just think, yeah. that, 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 that's it. That's the one. That's it. Yeah. And off yeah. you go. So, you know. Yeah, incredible. I, I paint still lifes as well. Not as frequent as I'd like to. And mm. I think a lot of it is because it's it's a different mindset. It's more yeah. intimate. It's a, Whereas, you know, we're, we're sort of, both of us paint these kind of vast landscapes, skyscapes. And then with a the still life, you're going into sort of a corner of your sheet yeah, yeah. and you're looking at yeah. this thing. But I think, like you say, um, it still has those same elements. And, you know, the um, French, I don't speak French, but the, you know, the still life word is basically dead nature. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's this thing. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but you, it has that idea that those elements of transience with it. And if you're working with flowers, you know, you pick this beautiful flower and it's in the vase and it's water. It is on, it's in a process of decaying, but you mm. capture this moment of beauty in it. So the juxtaposition is that here's this most beautiful thing. Yeah. But it's it's not here forever. It's dying. Yeah. But here, I'm going to capture it. So I'm going to capture that vibrancy and and, and immortalize it in that sense. Yeah. yeah so those um, go back to those paintings, those Dutch paintings, isn't it? 18th century, um, mm -hmm. massive floral yes. works, and uh, just the quiet. And they're always on a dark background as well. And I love. <laughs> So again, we're going back to Ad Reinhardt and Weisgut, man. Yeah. It's all there. It's just that contrast between this beautiful thing full of light and then set against a backdrop that's dark. Um, is it Velasquez as well? It's very mm -hmm. much. No, sorry, Caravaggio. 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 Using the dark backgrounds to push forward the drama. Yeah. It's, it's all there. But yeah. yeah. And it's uh, back to Sean Scully. So you can sort of put a Caravaggio painting next to his and see the... the, the yeah. yeah. I mean, there might yeah. be 300 years between them, but there's not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more yeah. like 30 centimetres. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And it's all that same language, isn't it? And I think very much like music, there are different frequencies in many ways that, that art can, you know, be, be on. Um you know, and I see yours is tuned in very much within that sort of frequency of of the sublime, and you know, dealing with with those aesthetics, basically. So, Mark, um, so you you teach painting, and we said we said earlier that um, you know you don't like to explain the whole process, and you know, I understand. That. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to tell my, yeah, because uh, when I teach, um, doing my tutorials, I tend to do one thing. So it'll be, I ask the class, you can either go this way with a nocturne, you can go this way with a nice, much brighter painting, but it's going to be effectively a skyscape, there's my landscape, that's, that's as much pencil work as I'm doing, off I go. Mm -hmm. um, after, as I'm doing that, I... It's always a bit of a pressure thing because you're doing something and people are watching you. 
And you're in the back of my head, I'm going, this is absolutely pants, this is rubbish. But I carry it on and hopefully something will happen. Now in the studio, you've got the luxury of that because you know you can swear as loud as you like and just get really you know, freaky with it. But you can't then. You have to be still very professional yeah. about it and trying to do... See, so you just basically show the techniques. I'm just showing how this works and what this does. And again, um, I was talking to this with one student, adults, and um, I said to this guy, I said, that, that, that was a really crap painting idea, but, you know, I got to where I want, I suppose, eventually. He said, don't worry about it, because as you're doing that, everybody was going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Billy can't see all that because you're down here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so... It does happen, but you're just not aware yeah. of it. I like that. I like that. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's important, isn't it? I I mean, a lot of the demonstrations I've done when I've been teaching, they don't go according to plan because, again, like you say, you're not in your space. You're very self-conscious no. of what you do. Very self-conscious. And I remember the first time it happened where it it went wrong and it was a horrible feeling. But I've, And I said to everybody, I'm glad it went wrong because, mm. you know, it shows, first of all, that, you know, we can't get it right as professional artists, as, as teachers. Mm. But it's now how how I navigate myself out of that situation. Yeah. How, yeah. Do you think that's important? Yeah, that's exactly, that's, that's exactly it. You're creating a set of problems and you've yeah. got to find your way out. You've got to dig your own way out. Um, yeah. And that's something you can't teach. I think no. you, you can get to a certain point where, you know, right, we're in the car now, I've taught you how to use all the pedals and the steering wheel or whatever, but after that, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> how you drive is entirely up to you. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll, you'll make mistakes you're going along. But yeah, it's exactly that. It's like I can teach you so much, but then you'll find things that work for you and, and yeah. are different to how I approach things. And that's, that's the beauty of it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I had another moment just while we're there on the teaching aspect, which was uh, with Prussian blue. It was one of my go-to colours. And uh, I was using it as the base colour. It was the first colour I put on. And when I mixed the white spirit with it and just went for it with a rag and what have you, and it went into paint, it's beautiful colour. There, there was a definite ooh <laughs> from everybody. I'm like, you've all used this colour, but it's lovely to hear people go, ooh, yeah. when you do an impression yeah. on the yeah. paper. It's lovely, you know. Yeah. Oh, you'll get it. You're all my kind of people, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> but it is that. I think that shows as well. It's that sort of love of like artists. We're in love with the materials and the colours, and it's, you know, it's not just it's not just a job in that sense. It's mm. this kind of holistic thing. And when you hear other people, <laughs> you know, sort of getting excited about the colours, you get excited about. So talking about colours, and we always ask um, people on here, what's your colour palette? Do you have a go-to one? Uh, it's very limited. I've got some, um, sorry. I use this for my online shoot, uh, teaching, so I've got all my colours there. So I've shown right. it's a very limited palette. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten colours. Uh, but my go-tos are Prussian blue, Tarlow green, love Tarlow green. Um, if that's how you say it, Fallow uh, Green. Uh, Raw Umbra is another big in there. So, yeah, I've, I've kept my palette down to outside of white and unbleached white, about eight, eight tones, eight colours. And then yeah. I, I spin around that. 
and see what I can do. I, I'm not one that goes to the art shop to buy a specific colour because it's going to match a sunset or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I want to make that colour. You know? I yeah. want to try and get that to come through in what I use. Mm. So those are, my, those are the colours that I, I, I stick to, really. Mm. Yeah, it's, again, like with your process, you you come to it for experimentation. Yeah. I've often said before, I started out thinking I had to buy every colour possible, started to couldn't <laughs> found something online about limited palettes and never look back really, and often switch it around. So mainly it's three colours I'll use plus white, but I'll switch the primaries around. So one day it may be for the red, cadmium red, the next day it might be yeah. madder, or it could be burnt sienna for the reds, you know. Yeah. What's that, I could see in your painting behind you, what is that yellow you've got there? Is that Naples? Is that one there? Um, yeah. That's a little bit of um, flesh tone on, ah. on there. Yeah. Uh, with a bit of the unbleached white as well. Uh, so I think the unbleached would have been the, that's the base colour there, and then yes. on top. Um, this one, this particular one, I really do like because of the, the clouds went really well with Tarot Green. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that kind of set me off, and then coming down, it, it, it does work nicely as a whole thing. Yeah, um, and so it's all it's, it's also got some nice bleeds going on. So when I'm working on paper, I'm flat, um, and I'm over the overwork, but with the canvases, mm. they're up against the wall, yes, uh, at yeah. an angle, so I can still get a bit of bleed and go a bit of control over what it's doing, but very rarely go flat with the canvas. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Completely different process in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that I get to a point where I've got to walk away and let it dry for a bit or just settle and then I'll come back to the next day and, and start again. So something like that will be three, four days, yeah. um, a couple of hours each time sort of thing. So yeah. So uh, with, the, with the paper, you tend to work a la prima? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and, well, well, yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah. very much fun. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's, yeah, so I'm writing a book about that. Uh, well, I was approached to write a book about it. Um, and again, I don't think it's the only way to do Alaprima. <laughs> it can't be. Um, yeah. This is the way that I do Alaprima, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do, do you want to talk about the book? Um, is it, um, when's it coming out? What's it about? <laughs> it's not coming out for a long time. It's January January twenty five is the date. Yeah. Um. There's it's called the publishers are Crow Crowfoot Crowfoot I think the Crowfoot or Crowwood Crowwood Publishing. Yeah. Um. They you get a lot of these publishers and whatever or galleries and opportunities come your way by emails. My have you you siphon them out and this one just sort of rang a bit more true than most. Um. Basically, because they were going to pay me. <laughs> but there was a guy they they got on board, uh, Gareth Edwards, who's down yeah. in Cornwall. He was amazing. Yeah. And his paint, he did one on abstract landscapes. Yes. And I thought, right, yeah, um, it, it it just it's an amazing book. Um, I've, I've got it, you know, on my coffee table now. And it was just lovely going through that and seeing how he does things and, and the process that he went mm. through. Uh, it's written by his daughter. Um, but it's, it's a lovely book. It's a lovely, lovely book. So I thought, yeah, right, I want a slice of this. Um, and at the end of the day, it's good PR, and you've got to do the business thing and go down that route. So, yeah, it's, it's a win-win, really. 
Yeah. And it relates in a way to, because you you write poetry, you're a writer, you're a thinker. Yeah. But there's so, it, so it kind of relates. You know, I guess you can't go off piste too, too much, too much into philosophy, but when you're doing that book, but... It's a great way of contextualising your work and, and sort of putting your message across and, and showing the techniques as well. Yeah, yeah. And I've written it in a kind of way um, where hopefully the person's in the studio with me. Mm. It's more like a conversation. Like we're having yeah. now. You know? It's exactly this. It's exactly yeah. this. And that's been lovely as well. Because um, uh, the, the poetry sort of has not died of death. It's, it's just taken a back seat. Yes. Um, I'd still occasionally it comes through and maybe stories on Instagram or in titles of, of paintings I do. Um, but the poetry, I, yeah, it's, it, it's made me think about again about writing, which is nice. It's, it's got me, because it's, it's a different mindset, yeah. But it's yeah. that thing again of when you're writing poetry, things just come out of nowhere. And you think, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. What night down? It's, it's just um, a clash of words come together to make a phrase whatever it's exactly the same as painting it's like how the hell did that do that yeah. you're, you're just a conduit you know you're just the, you're just the medium for all this to happen Absolutely. Um, and I, yeah i don't want to get you know it's not a spiritualist thing or whatever you know ghost out there working with you but i said um <laughs> like the phrase that i'm standing on the sh shoulders of giants for a better view and I, that's basically what i'm doing you know? yeah. yeah, so it's all in there. It's all informed, but it, it's just so weird the way things come. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you, you're engaged in that tradition and that language as well. And I think you know, once we sort of learn something like that, you know, the language of painting, or poetry, um, it's very much like music. You know, when someone learns. A guitar well enough to to enter that flow state. Mm. Who knows where where it's coming from? And very much like yeah. the sort of jazz music, you've got that that rhythm and that structure. But these guys go off on these crazy kind of uh, yeah. So, yeah. and and I think for me that's a lot of the time what what painting's about. That flow state doesn't happen all the time. It's actually yeah. quite quite rare. But, very rare one has to be at the easel or in the studio or walking through the fields or by the beach or have a sketchbook to hand to be there when it does arrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've also, I mean, you've also got to play the hours. You've got to do the work. Yeah. So you, you, you're probably the same. You paint when you don't want to paint. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> you have to force yourself, you know? You have yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, it's very important, and that that discipline is um, is really interesting. You know, I I mean, I really sort of got into painting, even though I'd been to art school and was into. I got into painting about ten years ago properly, and kind of locked myself away and just learned how to do yeah. it. And I went from admiring, um, you know, people like Jim Morrison and Lou Reed, and you know, this kind of to then. You know, reading, and I remember reading about Frank Auerbach, um, mm. and that he was still like working seven days a week, like you know, turning up very early, leaving. I think six days a week, turning up very early, yeah. leaving the studio very late. And I was like, "That's how you do it," you know. And it, you do it, yeah. it, and it was that mind mindset shift from 
you know, thinking that painting kind of just dropped out the sky and you, you could, <laughs> you, you know, it may be like Francis Bacon in the sense that you kind of in the Soho bars and into such a studio. If only. Yeah, if only. If um, only. Yeah. yeah, but it was all this kind of almost like monastic but focused type thing. And like you're saying, you have to put the, and even if you don't want to, yeah, yeah. And, and be open to it. That's the thing. You've got to be open to possibilities of being, you know, inspired or influenced or whatever. Yeah, you can't close yourself off. Um, yeah. So when I go on dog walks, uh, <clears throat> I'm I do I do a little bit of composing in, in dog walks for poetry, back to poetry. So I, can, I know I can put it on my phone almost straight away in notes. So if a phrase comes to mind or whatever, I've, I've noticed something, an image of something. So. If, um, Yesterday it was around us. There's a lot of hills, and these people on the hill looked like they were standing stones. So there was that sort of thing coming across. So, okay, let's let's make it a phrase here, whatever. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to be you've got to be um, hardwired to that sort of thing, that attitude of right. I'm, I'm always looking, always looking, and, the, yes. and I'm also very aware when I'm not. I get lazy. I, I do get lazy in my looking and seeing, and and, and I. I you know when you're switching off and you're, you're just you're just coasting through life, you know. Yeah. Um, so sometimes yeah, I have to give myself a kick up the ass and just sort of come on. Yeah. So, yeah. So looking at things and why have you? Because yeah. it it is that discipline, isn't it? And I think yeah. with that discipline and that structure, um, you know, back to those ideas of sort of order and chaos. Um, within that structure and that discipline, that gives you that time to be. You know, open to the muses in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they will find you at the easel, yeah. or they will find you in the, you know, in the yeah. field looking up at the clouds. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't rock that at all. I think that's very valid. It's so important to be open to, like, say, the muses. Yeah. I listen to um, I don't know, I what you do when you're painting yourself, um, whether you're so locked in, you don't have anything going on around you, music-wise, or do you have a take? I listen to listen to all kinds of things, podcasts, music, yeah. football. Yeah. You know, I just I kind of like stuff going on. So I listen to a podcast called Weird Studies, um, okay. which is Weird Studies. Uh, weird Studies. Yeah. It's, it's basically talking about art and philosophy. Ah. And I can listen to them um, chatting away, and it's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm painting at the same time. So I've kind of taken myself out of the situation a little bit. So that I know that I can just subconsciously crack on. Absolutely, um, it's this kind of that thing going on, and I yeah, that's very important. Yeah. The moment I turn it off, I can hear people closing their car doors outside or something that really annoys me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm and I get all these distractions. So I, I need yeah. something, and it could be maybe a bit of music, the editors, whatever is a band I listen yeah. to a lot, and that sort of thing, or a bit of classical music. But yeah, it's got to be something that sort of switches you off and just takes you to one side. Yeah, but it's but it's still there, you know, and it's still present, and you're kind of being engaged in that way. Because I've noticed him if I mean my studio here is I've got different businesses all around, and if I don't have some on, I'm tuned in to what's going on in that environment. But if I listen to a podcast or music or anything, you're kind of there, you engage, but what you're doing with your hands. Uh, you know, in your mind, in that sense, 
you're still present with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think also if, if there wasn't that going on in the background, I'd be overthinking what I was doing. You yeah, tend to do that, and I don't want to do that because it becomes contrived or whatever. You know, so yeah, yeah, you've got to stop be wearing that. So, um, talk about galleries and exhibitions and stuff like that. You say you're represented by a couple of galleries. Um, the Paragon Gallery in Cheltenham are very good. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a lovely gallery. Um, they 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 got some lovely artists in there. Um, you, you kind of find these galleries out yourself and where you fit best, where, where you fit best. Mm-hmm. They know the moment they look at you, yes, you'll be you know, you'd be fine for, for our fit. Um, where else do we go? I go. There's a guy called Tin Man Arts, and he deals with huh, Tom York from Radiohead and oh, Stan right. Donwood. So I'm part of his stable, if you like. Right. So that's quite a constant, if you like, of um, means of getting the work out there and sales and, mm-hmm. and what have you. Um, Modern Art Buyer, she's a lovely lady in Bath. She deals with me a lot. Um, and after that, it's kind of Instagram and go down that route. Um, mm-hmm. I've got some work at the Royal Academy in Wales, Cambrian, Cambrian Royal Academy. <coughs> I've never, never, never been there, but um, some work there at the minute. Uh, and the book's ongoing. So there's, there's little bits that come in and go out and stuff like that, you know. And yeah. open exhibitions always, always good value. Um, yeah, I find it's not yeah. always uh, they don't always take you on, but you know that's part and parcel. Absolutely, and it's, it's worth it. And I this think is that's, worth... That, that's something else. Sorry, I think that's something else is also um, having grit. You've got to have a lot of grit. Absolutely, <laughs> so. absolutely, and spin many plates at once. Yeah, I'll got you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, you've got to be a photographer, you've got to self-publicist, you've got to, yeah, yeah. yeah there's so many things, framer, if you're going to be a framer, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, but it's, I mean, it's it's great, and I often say that, you know, I say to people, oh, I'm so busy, I'm just framing this, I'm doing this, and but I'd be doing it for free if I wasn't getting paid for it, because I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one exactly. of yeah. many years I did do it for free, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean i was i was a teacher for a long time and i could that was fine the teaching paid for the mortgage and all the rest of it um i was head of art at the school um but at the same time i knew there was a space for, for me to do the painting but since leaving teaching it does sharpen your mind to certain amount because you know you've got to you've, you've got to make a business out of it yes um You've, you've got to go through that um, process of selling the work and talking the talk and walking the walk, so to speak. Um, yeah, there's nobody else here that I can blame, you know, if that makes sense. I mean, it, it's all down to me. And if I'm having a bad day, I'm having a bad day. But it's just part of the Grab the grip. Yeah. And like you, were saying, you said something earlier where, you know, as you sort of grow, um, and especially you know, via Instagram, and I get the, the same now, is you, you get offered quite a lot of opportunities, different things. And as a full-time artist nowadays, you know, kind of managing all these elements, you have to kind of have that um, experience and wherewithal to realise what are good opportunities and yeah. what potentially not, because all of these things take time 
and yeah. out of things. And if you take one opportunity, a better one may come along. So how how have you learned to deal with that? You mentioned a bit earlier about filtering certain things out. Um, I'm sort of lucky in some ways, which in that I'm quite good at reading through yeah. the lines. Um, I'm quite cynical <laughs> yeah. at times, and you have to be. Yeah. Not everybody that is offering you a pot of gold is necessarily all that they may seem. Um, so what um, I use a thing called Curator Space. I don't know if you come across that. They're quite good mm -hmm. for opportunities that come up. So I'll uh -huh. show you <clears throat> competitions that are um, out there. Um, or there'll be um, exhibition opportunities or there's opportunities due to studio space or whatever. They're very good. I've, I've used them a few times and I've had some good good stuff come through from them. Um, I had an um, exhibition, not an exhibition, but I put some work in a gallery in Holt, uh, just down the road. Yeah. North, and that's all linked to the Sublime. So the fact that it was linked to the Sublime meant, right, this is my bag. Yes. So off yeah. you go, you know? Yeah. Um, and like I said, the Royal Academy of Cambrian, never aware of that one before. So there you go, it's opened up another door. And so on, so mastery curator space. So they're, they're doing the middleman thing of finding all the opportunities. Um, Great. I, I prefer it that way around. Yes. Like somebody can come to me through an email or an Instagram feed or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you know, it's more likely not going to be as good as it looks. Yeah. And is that the website or Instagram? The curator space. Sorry, curator space. It's yeah. um website. Yeah. So it's a website. Yeah. I've no idea how I got hold of that one. I think they, yeah. they might have just cold called. No, I, 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 must, I must have been going through the uh, online and just typing away opportunities yeah. for, etc. etc. And they came through. So yeah. well, that sounds yeah. like a good resource. Absolutely. Yes, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. And and with it as well, I mean you're with your book, I mean, that takes time. The painting takes time, teaching takes time, everything takes time. And, and mm. I think artists get, and, and the more successful you get, you know, obviously the more opportunities do come your way. And, you know, I think being able to, through experience, and through talking to other artists about it, to understand what is good, I left a, a comment on um, the Google review of a, a gallery in London called the a Brick Lane Gallery. Now they've been oh, yeah. they've been contacting me for for years, and I've said I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I've said I'm not interested because they're what's known as a vanity gallery. Um, yeah. You know, many yeah. artists probably sort of know what this means, but they kind of prey on emerging artists with these mm -hmm. generic. So saying, um, you know, you've got the most splendid work, the fabulous work and all of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then want you to pay, you know, up to a thousand pounds for maybe a metre square mm -hmm. space. And someone, I got an email through from, from them again, despite asking to be left off their mailing list. And someone else contacted me and said, is this a good idea? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and write a review. It's not a good idea. And if anything, it will do your career more damage having that on your CV, on your exhibition list. Mm. Than it yeah. would be because it's a, you know, a pay-for-play type gallery. Yeah, yeah. 
but these things take this knowledge takes sort of time and experience and I guess you know through your through your education and through uni and very much like me you researched the art market and galleries and different things as, as you went along mm. yeah you do don't you I mean it's um you you winnow out you winnow out the chaff you're doing that the whole time so yeah, yeah I get I get Brick Lane they approach me and I just ignore it now because it's, it's never been my bag and that never will be yeah um it kind of smacks of desperation sometimes, and that, that don't, you know, it's, it's okay for if that's the way you want to go, that's the way you want to go. But just yeah. be mindful, you're going to be five hundred quid, six hundred quid lighter at the end of it. Yeah. Um, did it did it bring everything that you wanted it to bring? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good luck to you if you want to go down that route, but not for yeah. me. No. Yeah. 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 And that kind of, if you do your own thing like you have, you find your style and you find your practice and you work and you do it those opportunities do start to come. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. But yeah it takes it takes a while. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not overnight sort of thing. It's taken a no. while. But, um, and I think if people see that you are doing it regularly as well, that it's yeah. it's not a fly-by-night thing. It's just, oh, he, he, he's really serious about what he's doing sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it changes it as it goes. So the things that surprise people as, as you like putting a still life or whatever, you mix it up a bit and you... You've yeah. got to really. Um, so it'll always be oil paints per se. I mean, I do do a bit of Indian ink work um, because they give me a certain feel that I, I want to get across. But I can't I can't do acrylics. I can't do watercolors. And I take my hat off to people that can. So yeah, it's just the way it is, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And it's your medium and you've mastered your medium and your technique. You know, why sort of step outside of that. And this bit, I mean, you couldn't create sure. what you create with those other mediums. I, I, I take issue with mastering. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'm mastering. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It's, it's a yeah. battle. It's a, it's a, it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. But I yeah. wouldn't say that I've mastered it. It's always that thing of it can catch you out and take you somewhere else or whatever, you know. Um, mm. and, I, and I like that edginess to it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. That creativity gives. Uh, yeah, always on edge. Yeah. Yeah. And to, I mean, I don't think any artist would ever want to truly master it anyway, because you know, like you say, it is that it's that constant kind of dialogue, sometimes battle with the medium. Yeah. To, yeah. to you know, for it to do what you want it to yeah. do. But you know, your technique is, you know, you can see it, it's identifiable and you know, I think you have definitely got that sort of signature style through that battle with your medium. Oh, cheers. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Great. Great. I mean, well, I, I, just to digress, I see people yeah. who um, are very good painters, very good painters, um, mm. blow me away with what they do. I'm not going to name names. But then they'll do the same painting again and again yeah. and again. Yeah. And I think, hang on a minute, that's just now a craft. You're yes. crafting your image. Yeah. You're not you're not doing the extra going the extra mile and jumping off the cliff edge or whatever. Yeah. You know, you've you've got to be bold and brave and all the rest of it and yeah. see what yeah. happens, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I often say with my work, because I, I do repeat myself a lot in, in my work, but I tend to work on a very similar composition. Yeah. Um 
you know, whether the horizon's up or down or the clouds. But for me, I'm constantly changing the, the colour palette within yeah. these things so that even within that repetition, there's an element of diversity within it. But, you know, I often find myself being sort of drawn towards, you know, two identifiable recognition, um, repetition. So that's when I'll often bring a still life out just to say, you know, yeah. stop going down that, that path. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a dangerous one in, in many ways because I did, sort of with style nowadays and with um, social media and and with how art is, you know, artists are sort of identifiable or recognisable by their style in many ways. So there has to be a sort of element of repetition within there, but... Mm. Literally the same painting over and over. You, yeah, you know, it just... No, it, it, yeah, it's just a dead end. It's a dead end. Yeah. So, like I say, it's crafting it. Um, it's a craft more than, yes, more than yeah. art. Yeah. yeah. I also, uh, whilst you're on bugbears, I have a bugbear. I apologise if you do this, but <laughs> I don't like it when people, artists, stand in front of their work and have a photograph taken. And yeah. yeah well, what's more important? Is it you or the art? What, what, what yeah. are you trying to say there? I want to look yeah. at the art, not you. You know, and I, Yeah. So whenever I've been asked, to do that, I go no, I, I, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's not. It's not. It's not about me. It's about the art every time. It's I know good. it sounds a bit highfalutin and all the rest of it, but being pretentious, but I don't care. It is about the art. Absolutely. No, I've I've never done that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, and probably, <laughs> no, no, but I, I'm very weak. similar. I mean, I'm happy to be photographed, um, sort of painting, and it's normally. Yeah. Yeah, from behind or, or an angle. Yeah. 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 But it, that's an interesting element of social media now nowadays as well. And there's there was a painter on on threads, you know, on the threads. Yeah. Um and he's quite a you know well known fam famous painter on it, Instagram at least. And mm. you know, he put put this post about well, I don't want to see you spinning your canvas around. I don't want to see. I saw that, yeah. I saw yeah, that. yeah, you know, and he got he got a lot of got a lot of flack for it, and and stuff. And I think he was being slightly kind of ironic with it a little bit, yeah. but um, but you know there is something, and I think it you know part of it goes back to you know the idea in a way of the you know the artist and. You know, you know, it's a sort of a romantic figure and slightly, you know, sort of isolated and um, yeah. and solitary and tortured in a way. That <laughs> I'm not that social media friendly yeah. in the sense where I'd be like, hey, guys, you know, this is a painting I'm doing today. Um, but some people are more like that and, 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 yeah. and better at it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, what I said to you earlier on um, was... I find it hard talking about yeah. I mean, it's just, it's nice that you're doing this podcast, and thank you again for inviting me. But I just know that I've got to do more of it because you it can become very, like you say, isolating um, to a point mm. where you you need to verbalise what you're doing occasionally, not all the yeah. time. Um, but you need to think about what you're doing and and express yourself in other ways, or you know. Around. I mean, the painters will live and stand by themselves. Whether they do or not, it's neither here nor there. That's out of my hands. Yes. Um, 
but you still need to have conversations with fellow artists and stuff like that just to mm-hmm. hear what their their experiences are more than anything mm-hmm. um and i think that's why this you know this been so nice to talk to you yeah um, absolutely and that's why we we started it um it, it started originally that Simon interviewed me on his podcast and I said, Hey, you know, let's do a podcast just about painting. And um, it was more that, you know, I wanted to know those little things about the artists, you know, about yeah. their motivations, about, you know, so that, and that was when I started painting, they, they were the things I wanted to know, you know, yeah. that yeah. things don't just arrive as this, finished item there's a whole process and mm. but it's with this and with teaching it's helped me greatly because I would you know lock myself away for days in the studio if sure. yeah. yeah yeah like yeah. I said to you earlier on the dog has more of a social life than I do <laughs> 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 yeah. well Mark thank you so much for coming on it's been, no, it's been with you and um yeah and where can people find you um you know instagram website and all of that um instagram is always under my name mark slotful so there's instagram there's a website uh peregrine gallery cheltenham um if you want to go to the peregrine cheltenham peregrine gallery uh they're very good uh they've got quite a lot of my work and tim man art as well uh tim man art this is very self-explanatory where's that um he's based Hampshire I think um so like I say he's he's an agent but he's he's got my work on there um and then you'll also see maybe a bit of Tom Tom York's drawings might have you so yeah he's, he's a good one he's a good one Go ahead. Yeah. well it's been amazing to talk to you Mark and uh, love your work okay. great fabulous thank you. thank you very much